What's going on, STR Nation? Welcome back to another episode of the From the Host podcast. Today, we're going to switch it up and do something a little bit different. So a while back, Mike Riley and I were doing something called Tuesdays with Mike and Mike, where we would put together some content for the private Facebook group and YouTube community. Um, and we were going back through that and found one of our episodes was, um, had a lot of engagement on it, a lot of, a lot of good content in there. And it is about how to finance your short-term rental. Now the rates have gone up since we recorded this back in like November. So just bear that in mind, but the principles still work. So in this episode, we talk about three ways to finance your short-term rentals. And then a fourth way on how to actually get into short-term rentals with none of your own money, like investing zero. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Let us know down below in the comments or make sure you join the free Facebook group and then you can comment and follow us on YouTube and all that good stuff. Um, but enjoy this episode. Appreciate all you guys and uh, we'll talk to you soon. And today we want to talk about our top three favorite ways to finance short-term rental purchases. Now I want to caveat this that these are in no particular order and it really depends on what your financial situation looks like right now. But we're going to break these you know, three different buckets down and talk about the pros and cons of who it may apply to. So Mike, why don't you lead us off? Cause you've been in pretty good acquisition mode the last 12 months. And then I'm, I'm happy to, to jump in and talk about it, but why don't we talk about yeah. conventional financing first? Cause that's the most yeah. traditional. For sure. Yeah. So conventional financing, this is the typical financing you go to, you know, a mortgage broker and you get a conventional loan. A conventional loan is backed by the government essentially. So it's backed by Freddie or Fannie. Um, there's multiple different kinds of conventional loans. I think the most popular right now people are talking about are the second home loan. So the 10% down loan. Um, that's one I've used twice um, and is sometimes um, misconstrued or there's a lot of fallacies that, that you hear in Facebook groups or on different podcasts on, can you use a second home loan? Can you not use a second home loan? What are the restrictions and things like that? Um, so there's also the FHA loan. You know, those are more for like, if you can get a duplex or, um, you know, a attached unit, an ADU to your primary home, um, you can get three and a half percent down. So let's say you have a duplex, you put three and a half percent down on it, you live in one side and then you Airbnb the other. That's a extremely, extremely um, lucrative opportunity because you don't have to put that much money into it. So your cash on cash return typically is a lot higher with those types of, of, uh, of loans. Um, that's, I think that's it on the conventional side. So you got the FHA loan, you got the second home loan or vacation loan. Um, and then there are talking some about com uh, commercial too. Like you took down that four unit with a commercial loan, right? So yeah. if it's a little bigger yeah. property, um, you could go the traditional route of, of getting a commercial lender involved. Yep. Yep. For our four unit, I think in North Carolina, it was four units or more. You can get a convention or a commercial loan. Um, the interest rates are a little bit higher. Um, I will say the interest rates on the conventional loans are the lowest. That's pretty much the lowest you can find unless you find a really nice seller financing opportunity. But uh, because it is backed by the government and the government kind of sets what the interest rates are, um, those are the lowest interest rates you can get. Now, the, the cons to a conventional loan is you can only have up to 10. So the government kind of restricts you. And then also they take your debt to income ratio um, and calculate it. And that's how they determine the underwriters determine 
you know, whether or not you can qualify for the loan or not. So right. you have to so give- So they're not really factoring in the income from the property. It's more like, can you afford, based on the income that you have, can you afford this property? And they're also looking for employment history as well. So, you know, two years of tax returns, if you've changed a job recently, you know, that might not work because I don't know, I think, is it different per lender, but it, what is it? Eight months or 10, 12 months of employment history for the convention? Yep. Yep. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's 12 months, but for me, like I was, I'm in sales. So, um, my commission is more than 50% of my income. And so when I changed jobs from Veeam to Google and I was buying a house, um, my lender said, no, I'm sorry. You have to have two years at the same company of income, commission income. That can be for a real estate agent. It can be for a salesperson. That's actually not, not true. Um, it just needs to be in a similar industry. So if you're in tech sales and you switch to a tech sales job, um, the Fannie Freddie guidelines say, you know, if you stay in the same industry, we, you can use that income to qualify for your loan. Um, but I will say the underwriters for these conventional loans um, do a very, very in-depth analysis. And they're not always the most communicative on where you stand with your debt to income ratio and how you can qualify for it. So a lot of the times they'll just do a soft credit pull for you and they'll say, oh yeah, you can qualify. And then when you're at, at the closing table, they're like, oh, actually we decided to change things up. So that's kind of the con of doing a conventional mortgage is there's a lot more contingencies towards your, your income. So I think one, one thing to note, if you're going the conventional route, I think it helps you maximize your cash on cash return because you typically have to put less money down to close the deal. Um, but you want to stay on top of your lender throughout the purchase process to make sure that things are moving smoothly. Do they have everything they need? Do you need to get them anything else? And I don't want to use the word babysit, but kind of babysit it through the whole process to make sure that you're staying on top of it and things are moving forward. So that there's no surprises when it comes to the closing table. Right. Yep. And so the next bucket is non-conventional financing. Right. So if you're someone like me, that's a full-time entrepreneur, maybe you haven't had two years of history, or maybe, you know, you're trying to get as many write-offs at the end of the year for a tax return. So your tax returns don't look that great to a lender. You can go through something called non-conventional, right? So they have something called a debt service coverage ratio. So they're going to factor in the income from the property. Um, so typically it's like 1.25. So if your mortgage is $1,000 a month, they're going to want to make sure that that rental brings in at least $1,250 a month so that they know that you've got enough cash flow to cover the mortgage. Um, they're going to pull your credit score to make sure that you're you know, a viable borrower. And they're going to check to see if you have the funds to close the deal. And typically you're going to need to put you know, 20% down or more in order to do that. And in order to get the same rates that you might get with conventional financing, you may have to pay some more points up front. So if you're brand new to real estate, basically a point is 1% of the, the loan value. So if a loan is half a million dollars, 500,000, one point is $5,000. So you might still be able to get three and a half or 4% on the loan, but you might have to pay two, three, four points in order to get that rate, right? But if you do out the math, what I have found is Usually those points, if your plan is to hold it long-term, you're better off paying some points up front because 
your payment, you're basically going to save after like three and a half years, all those points are paid off and those savings are now accumulated through the rest of the loan. Okay. So it's a great way for folks that maybe wouldn't qualify for some traditional conventional financing to still be able to continue to grow and do more deals. You're just going to need, again, typically 20% down or more, um, making sure that the property pencils out with a debt service coverage ratio of at least 1.25%, um, showing proof of funds and making sure that, that you have a good credit score. Okay. Another option with non-conventional is to go more like private or hard money, which again, your rates are going to be higher. They might be seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12%. But if the deal still makes sense and your credit's not that great for whatever reason, you might still be able to close the deal using that. Obviously, it just has to cash flow a lot more in order for you to, to make that deal worth your while. Okay. So we've got conventional, non-conventional. And then the last bucket is creative financing. So a simple example of that is seller financing. Okay. If a, if a seller owns that property free and clear, meaning they don't have a mortgage on it anymore, they could essentially finance it back to you. So you come up with some down payment that you agree with the seller, whether it's 5%, 10%, whatever percent you guys agree, 20, whatever you negotiate, but then the seller becomes the bank. So you're, instead of you sending a check to the bank every month, you're just sending a check to the seller every single month. So you're not having to deal with any of those covenants or anything else. You're just working directly with the seller in order to close the deal. And so I've done all three of these different strategies. I've gone conventional, I've gone non-conventional. I did seller financing on a hotel deal. All of them work. It just depends on what your financial situation looks like, right? Some other creative financings could be subject to deals where you're essentially taking over the property and you're just paying the mortgage every single month. So you're basically taking over the mortgage payments and you're just paying those off. And there's a ton, a ton, ton of different creative financing strategies. But I think if you can understand and learn all of these, it's just more tools in your tool belt in order to be able to close more deals based on the cash flow from the deal, your financial situation, how much cash you have on hand in order to close the deals and furnish them and renovate them and whatever you got to do. But those are our three favorite ways. And again, I've done all three. Mike's done two of these. I'm sure at some point he'll do some type of creative financing deal as well. But the more you understand these, it just gives you a lot more tools to close deals. I would say if I had the choice, I would do one of those second home loans um, because the 10% down, you're still putting 10%. It's a lot less, um, but you can get multiple loans like that if you can qualify with your debt to income ratio and it's just going to maximize your cash on cash return. So if I had to pick one, I really like those. Or if you could get some really good creative financing or seller finance financing, if the seller is willing to carry back 90 or 95% of the loan and you have to have a small down payment, as long as the interest rates are reasonable, those are great ways. I have a lot of friends that have hundreds of units at this point, all done through creative financing. So Point, long story short is there's multiple ways to close deals, regardless of what your financial situation is. You just have to understand what options are available to you and how do you implement those strategies when you're out there looking for properties? Yeah. Anything else you want to add on that, Mike? No, I think a lot of, a lot of people will come to us saying, I don't have enough money to buy a property, which most of the time is not true. Um, or, you know, I don't want to take on all this debt. And if you think about leverage versus debt. Yes, they're kind of the same thing, same definition, but 
if you're taking out leverage, let's say at a 3% interest rate or a four or even a 5% interest rate, and you're putting money into a property. So you're putting your down payment on and you're taking on new debt with a 5% interest rate. But if that debt and that down payment that you make can return you 20, 25% on your initial down payment, then you're making money back. <laughs> so you're getting your money back. You're basically just kind of moving money around and you're taking a 5% interest rate and you're turning that into 25% in your pocket. So it's just trying to understand what's right for you. Some people don't want to take out as much debt. Some people are like, all right, I'll leverage as much as possible. Um, so it's just trying to figure out what the balance is, but there's, there's always a way. If you have a definite goal and a definite purpose um, and a why behind that, there's always a way to get your first property up and running. Um, now, if you have zero money and you have no job right now, there's a fourth way. And that's through co-hosting. Um, and I think next week we're going to analyze a co-hosting deal um, to kind of show you guys how much money you can make with zero money into a deal um, whatsoever. So um, we'll do that next week. 100%. And so if you're looking to get started, if you're looking for some help to launch, automate, and scale your short-term rental business, make sure you check out the free starter pack that we've put together. Mike and I put together some free trainings and some free templates on how do you analyze markets? How do you analyze deals? How do you build your team? What type of technology do you need in the properties? All of that, we've put together a free training uh, program for you guys. All you got to do is text the word resources to 978-242-0001 and you'll get free access to that. So again, just text resources to 978-242-0001. We'd love to help you launch, automate, and scale your own short-term rental business. So as always, we appreciate you guys. We love you guys. Have an amazing week. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, STR Nation. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. And in the comments, let us know what topics you want us to cover on upcoming episodes, and we'll make sure to get that in the books for you. And if you really want to learn how to launch, automate, and scale your short-term rental business, if you want to go deeper, then check out our free masterclass at strsecrets.com.